0: You can talk about film... Gotta be quicker than this. You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal, but for once in your life... Be real! Welcome one and all to a mini-episode of Be Real. It is your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast. My name is Chance Sullivan Pfeiffer... And I'm Noah Ballard And today we are here to talk about one film and one film only It's the new picture from Sofia Coppola, The Beguiled
1: It is The Beguiled I'm, I'm frankly beguiled by Beguiled I, I believe I am as well it's I, We're a, both Beguiled
0: uh, It's out, this episode's coming out June the 30th And it, this film is out the same day um, What to say about this movie before we dive in It's a remake Of a 1971 Don Siegel film uh, The director who made Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood And Clint Eastwood is also in the original Um, And this is Coppola, if you've read anything about it Sort of reversing the weird um, male fantasy of that movie And really uh, looking at this story of a wounded Union soldier Staying at, kind of captive, kind of visitor At this plantation in Virginia in 1864 Completely, uh, at the beck and call of, and cared for by six, seven women of like various ages. It's a, it's a seminary school for girls. Yeah, right? it's also based on a novel too. That's right. It's an interesting sort
1: of costume drama slash thriller slash drama slash romantic comedy <laughs> slash <laughs> yeah. comedy of manners. Sure. Kind of. It's, yeah.
0: It's a lot of subtext packed into ninety minutes.
1: So I went into this film I don't know how you saw it You saw it like a press thing, right?
0: Yeah, but there was a live audience there as well
1: Okay I went into it with my uh, One of my female colleagues uh, who Whose first thing she said Like before the movie started was I've got a real taste for a man murder today And I was just <laughs> like Okay, so that's that's what we're getting into. Um, and I had seen the trailer for this. There's an interesting article. I was trying to find it. I think it's like AV Club, or maybe you can correct me, um, that talks about recently this like spate of horror trailers that have come out that have totally like misrepresented the films. Mm-hmm. And it talks about this movie. It talks about The Witch. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, I think, It Comes at Night. All three of these movies have been totally, like, miscategorized by their trailers that would, that would you know, attempt to market them as, like, edge-of-your-seat, like, horror thrill rides. And apparently, I haven't seen the other uh, two, but this one is certainly not the sort of, like, hostile, you know, the sort of costume drama hostile that the the trailer posits.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. We all need to help. Quickly, he's losing blood. I pray that the Lord see fit to restore the health of the wounded soldier. We ask for your protection over our school, and we pray that we will be kept from harm throughout the night. Amen. Seems like the soldier being here is having an effect.
1: If you could have anything in the world, what would it be?
0: To be taken far away from here. We can show him some real southern hospitality. Corporal McBurney's stay here has taught us all a very important lesson. Can I get you anything? The enemy is not what we believe. Yeah, Colin Farrell is uh, Corporal John McBurney. He is the the Union soldier who has become separated from his uh, regiment. And at this school, like the headmistress is Nicole Kidman. She plays Miss Martha. And uh, Kristen Dunst is the sole teacher at the school. And then, I think, what are there, like, three little girls and then three who are, like, 16. Uh, And Mm -hmm. Elle Fanning is the one you need to know of of those three. So, yeah, Colin Farrell is uh, is badly hurt. His leg has been ripped open um, by gunfire. And they stitch him up. And slowly but surely, this weird kind of um inverse proportion happens where the healthier and better looking that he gets the more dread creeps in right what's
1: well, interesting and i just i'll co-opt from the new york times review here um where it says um In the first scenes, a young girl ventures out into the woods to collect mushrooms and finds a strange man under a tree, a Union soldier with a badly wounded leg and a charming Irish brogue. (laughs) Is he a prince or an ogre? He's Colin Farrell, which may or may not clarify the issue. (laughs) Who, is that A.O. Scott? That is A.O. Scott. (laughs) But I think he's so right, though, because you, like, it... It asks Colin. This movie asks Colin Farrell to be both prince and ogre. Mm-hmm. You know, like he sort of they like take care of him as he's sort of convalescing there. But then there's like these very long shots that remind me of like, of course, because it's Sofia Coppola. There's a great shot in um, Lost in Translation where it like watches every move that Bill Murray makes before he hits that golf ball. Mm. And there's like the same sort of shots in this where it's just Colin Farrell doing manual labor. Yeah. And, like, looking sweaty, and he's got his, like, his bangs are, like, coming in front of his face. Sure. And he's, like, pulling them back, and it's, like, it's a good-looking guy. But then, like, by the end of the film, like, the arc of it is where the true horror lies.
0: Right. Yeah, since, what, since 99, since Virgin Suicide, Sofia Coppola has been making movies about the the way that, that men and women sort of, like, size each other up. And, right. like, look at each other sexually and, and culturally and eventually come to some sort of, like... You know, agreement or at least a a meeting, and uh, the meeting in this one is—is, I suppose the spoiler point that we won't cross maybe till the very end. Um, But yeah, this movie can. Can we talk a little bit about the original, which I watched yesterday?
1: Oh, I haven't seen it, but you can go ahead. That's
0: okay. It's not good. (laughs) Okay. But it's certainly—it's really strange. I mean, so yes, there is this movie. The Coppola movie is also pretty strange. It's pretty strange. But it's all the Coppola movie. Everything everyone does like makes sense to me, given the okay. social experiment that she's staging, sure. and like what she's kind of putting forward about desires and the performances she's getting. In the in the original Siegel film, Eastwood is like a is reprehensible. He in the first scene, he kisses the little girl. He asks. He's like trying to hide from passing rebel soldiers, and he's like. I think he's trying to keep her quiet and he's like how old are you and she's like 12 but I'll be 13 in the fall And he's like so old enough to kiss like that is a line in the opening two minutes of the movie Yeah Um,
1: this movie doesn't ask Colin Farrell to be that guy
0: No no and then the script of the original as well is sort of like It's so unsteady where people will say a lot of just using, like, Southern fanciful dialect and stuff like that. Sure. And then someone will stop and basically, like, proposition someone else. And it's right. very jarring. And Sophia Coppola's version, I think, is incredibly precise in what each line of dialogue is meant to convey. Right. And each
1: character's need and intention of, like, they're very clear. And, I mean, they're almost... Th- I mean... That's what I think the best dialogue does is it just sort of shows how each character like gets what they want. And I think each character in the film states explicitly what they want. Mm -hmm. Showing characters going after what they want is not necessarily painting them as good or evil. Right. That's true. I don't think there, I mean, there definitely is a protagonist well, we can get into this in a second. I think the protagonist and the antagonist maybe flip halfway through which is agree. maybe the agree. flaw of the movie:
0: I don't know if it's a flaw. I think it's probably the whole point is the point at which a, a house guest feels emboldened enough to uh, act like he owns the place. It's a whole right It's just like a, the power on the on the balance beam and, and which side's going to all of a sudden slam into the ground.
1: Right, it's that moment where the narrative says, you know, don't go falling in love with our uh, our RV because we're taking it with us when we leave next month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, can we maybe we talk a little bit about the performances?
1: Absolutely. The other
0: thing that this one has way way over the original is just I think especially in Farrell, in Dunst, and in Kidman, she has perfectly cast three actors who are very good. In a scene at like holding two truths At the same time You know what right. I mean? Like you yeah. look at all of them And Kidman especially There's nobody quite like Kidman As far as looking at somebody Saying something But looking in her eyes as though Of course she means the exact opposite Or like something much more insidious And then Farrell is also He's such a, a incredible flirt In the way that he's able to like Advance and retreat so deftly Which is what makes him a good flirt Right, and then Dunst, for years now, has been playing this sort of outwardly meek character who you know the entire time is capable of much more, and so she's cast three perfect adults for what she wants to pull off. Well,
1: I think I think you bring up an interesting point about Dunst in that I feel like her what her her action is and basically the. the turn of this movie. She like acts out a bit, we can he, say, not to spoil anything. Right. But she's been waiting to do that for like the last three or four movie roles she's had and has not been allowed to do so, which I think is so interesting about the casting of this. And you sort of have this renaissance Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I love how the three main women in this, Elle Fanning, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and... Uh, Nicole Kidman are both in these like weird transitional moments in their careers. Yeah. You know, so Kirsten Dunst is like about to be like the Nicole Kidman of 10 years ago kind of acting. Mm -hmm. And Elle Fanning is about to be like a very sexualized, you know, leading lady if she wanted to be.
0: The Kirsten Dunst of 15 years ago.
1: The Kirsten Dunst of 15 years ago. And then you have um, Nicole Kidman leading the way as Becoming, like, an elder stateswoman of yeah. acting pretty soon. Like, she's going to start getting those, like, Helen Mirren 10 years ago roles, like, in the next few years of her career. Mm-hmm. And what you have is, like, three female actors, but also three female characters who are, like, very much in transition. And they're also in transition in the film. Like, you have Nicole Kidman's character who's clearly, like, lost her husband or who whatever male role was, like, Working this place With her and then you have Kirsten Dunst who's just like Slowly but surely becoming an old maid And then you have Elle Fanning Who is coming into her own Sexually and like wants to Wants to be burned by a man You know here's two women who have been Burned in their various ways by men And here's a woman who just like wants something Anything to happen with Any man
0: I think this is a really good Breakdown because they all and what they, what they want is very simple They want him right Right. But like what that do they means want him for all of do them Or do they want
1: what he represents Yeah
0: what he would mean to all of them Is very right. different Well that's what I think and I think the title
1: of this film Is so brilliant because you think That like going in almost like When we talked about Get Out You almost think that this movie is about like Him being seduced by these like right. You know this these Succubi who like live in this house They're like you know, calling him, like, um, like sirens or something. Sure. But what actually happens is they become beguiled by him in a way that, like, they create these fantasy worlds that exist almost separate from who he is as a person, and then he almost becomes beguiled by sort of seeing himself in every role.
0: Absolutely. There's a but lot this of- is not, like,
1: female-on-male revenge fantasy porn.
0: No, 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 no. Which just sounds Whereas like maybe that's th- what your coworker thought it was.
1: Maybe that, yeah, exactly. And that's why I think the movie has been mismarketed. And I think if you watch the trailer, you're thinking it's part of this sort of like militant feminist conversation when I don't think it has aspirations that high. I think it has very low aspirations in terms of like its politics.
0: He's. A fascinating piece of stimuli For them all I mean like uh, The other thing I really like This movie About this movie Is just how in a In a 94 minute span She's able to show you like Just how little they have to do Like they really want something to do
1: Well I think it's interesting too What's funny about I think Sofia Coppola's movies is she's very good at showing women, and A.O. Scott gets into this in his review, but showing women who are bored. Mm-hmm. And there's this great scene where it's like Elle Fanning and that other girl like doing sort of like the household chores, and they're like scraping up something in the garden. They're like yeah. cleaning out the garden or whatever, and Elle Fanning's just sort of like throwing like the hoe. Into the the brushes And she's <laughs> right. just not really trying Not putting her so back you, into it And it, it sort of feels like the Kirsten Dunst character From Virgin Suicides It kind of feels like how Scarlett Johansson Wastes time in uh, um, Lost in Translation it, it has that feel of like It's like the, the Romanticizing This like bored privileged girl mm-hmm. But like in such a a both empathetic but also, like, very hostile way.
0: Okay, how hostile? It never says
1: that these women are victims. It always shows, like, they want a man around. Like, this movie has that, I think, commentary in there that it wouldn't have shown the scene where Elle Fanning's, like, listlessly scraping this brush away to only then contrast it with, like, Russ or um, with uh, Colin Farrell, like, really digging at it. right. If it didn't want to say something about, like, these women are waiting for their Prince Charming. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for a man to come and swoop the swoop in and save them. And that sort of has been a running theme And I think, like, a lot of her films. I mean, even in, like, uh, the nearly unwatchable somewhere, you know, this young girl's waiting for her father to, like, come in and be, a, like, a man in her life. And if it's not going to be him, it's going to be someone else.
0: The only word I would take issue with in any of that is waiting to be saved Because I think of when you think about the last shot of this movie, which I won't spoil It's not some crazy reveal, but the last shot is very yeah, yeah, yeah. memorable Right, it's, it's very just, telling It's like, saved, I don't know, but entertained, definitely
1: Like, well, I think the last shot is basically saying like Here's the castle around which there's a dragon that somebody has to defeat and here's these like Rapunzel like women who are letting oh, I don't down think their so, hair. Man.
0: I think that. You don't
1: think there's like that fairy tale kind of traditionalness to this movie?
0: No, I think it's like we're closing ranks. Like, I don't necessarily think it's like a show of solidarity, the last shot. Yeah, it's. Yeah. But it's kind of like, okay, we're going back into the prison of societies and our sure. making and accepting.
1: But it's certainly like not the rallying call of like who run the world, girls, kind of thing. <laughs>
0: By no means. You want to do a spoiler break here? Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie yet,
1: I definitely recommend... Because I think the most interesting part of this pretty like slow-burning movie is sort of this last act here that is set off by like really the only violence in the film.
0: Sure. I mean, and without like getting our rating out right now, like it's quite a movie to see with an audience, and yes. it's quite a movie to discuss. So if you want to go see yeah. it and you don't want spoilers, go see it. And um, if you're
1: listening to this podcast, that seems like something you might be into.
0: Right. Um. So in the original uh, The Edwina character Straight up beats him down the stairs With a candlestick When she discovers oh, wow. him in bed Which is not what happens in this one Where it seemed no. very much Kind of like a Like a get off me shove That went wrong, Right It's right? a
1: defensive shove That sends Colin Farrell down Around these stairs here And then his leg is just fucked
0: Yes There's like
1: bone coming out of him. It's like heading the wrong way. And they they don't have the technology or the resources even in this period to do much about it. So they're like, well, he's going to bleed out. And Nicole Kidman like cuts off and carterizes his leg.
0: Bring me the anatomy book.
1: Bring me Uh, the anatomy book. And frankly, she does the only thing to do to save his life in that particular circumstance. So that he's, I mean, sure, if you were like, having sex with like a maybe 17 year old, and then you get pushed down the stairs and you wake up and you don't have a leg. Sure. It seems like maybe something was amiss, but if you look at like the morality of the story that Sophia Coppola is telling here, it does not posit that really anyone has done anything wrong.
0: Before we turn toward a rating, do you want to talk at all about, uh, this controversy of, of Hallie, the, uh, The woman who's a slave not being in it. Do you want to address that? I mean, we are the two people to address it, for sure. But (laughs) what do you think?
1: So one aspect of the book and the original film, correct me if I'm wrong, is that... One of the reasons that these women like have to do all these like manual labor jobs and have to like keep up this estate is the fact that like it's the Civil War, and the slaves have all gone north. Mm-hmm. And in the book in the original film, there is like a remain like one remaining black slave,
0: yeah, Hallie is her name.
1: And that's like a huge like racial dynamic in those narratives, whereas this movie, you know, When Colin Farrell's like, this is a huge house and, like, a huge land tract, like, where are the people to work the land? Like, the slaves are sort of written out of this movie by, with one line, it's, oh, well, the slaves left. Um, But, yeah, there's, there's really no mention of the fact that, like, these women are specifically in this situation because they were count the the audacity of this property was counting on a free labor service yeah. that no longer exists yep. and that is a huge part of the reason that like Colin Farrell frankly is so attractive cuz he's going to be like working on the house and like fixing up the garden which he does and right. like that's where i think the controversy comes from and where we should address it is the fact that like it's inseparable from the story And the performances are these like young, rich princess type girls who have through their whole lives up until recently been taken care of by slaves.
0: Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So Coppola, of course, sees the original and the Hallie McBurney relationship in the original is so, uh, you know, fucked up. Right. Like it's he's g-
1: Filmmaking in the 1970s <laughs> right. And they already know they're being like sexually Exploitative so
0: yeah and You know there's a the whole thing where like uh, Clint's Like I'm a prisoner here you're a prisoner here Like why don't you help me leave we can leave Together and he kind of like quickly loses interest In Hallie as he starts to gain Interest in Alicia and Edwina um, And so I can totally See on the one hand where Sofia Coppola would look at that story And be like that's really Fucked up like, Dear God, do I want no part of like trying to rehabilitate The racial politics of that movie That makes total sense to me And yet, she's so good at rehabilitating the gender politics Of a movie that is essentially an experiment in a bottle That it's right. kind of like, I don't know, why didn't you? And she, of course, would have taken flack for that too, I'm right. sure But she's so talented, why didn't she try?
1: It's either very careful and sort of calculated that there, that she wrote out the, the black character or it's very naive yeah. and thinking that she like could. And I think it's the, this movie is like almost missing a layer to it.
0: That's really true. It feels rather like slight. a
1: weird, there is a, it's a very slight film. It's very short, but like, if you're going to be a filmmaker, like
0: why not set the
1: movie then in world war one?
0: Well, I think that was well put you um should we turn toward a rating here
1: yes
0: (laughs) let's tell the people how we rate movies on this podcast
1: all movies and most of life can be described with our rating system the four categories are good good bad bad good bad and bad good the first good or bad refers to intellectual quality the second is pure pleasure
0: Good good is easy, things that make you feel smart and happy, and that for both reasons you'd want to do again, like watching The Departed or Jaws or calling your pal to do a podcast with him. Good good movies make Noah say, Love that.
1: Bad bad is easy too, things that bring you neither stimulation nor joy. Basically, you just wasted your time. Things like watching White Chicks or Wild Wild West, a conceptual double album of Christian pop punk. Bad bad movies make Chance say things like, I hated that.
0: Good Bad, then, is something you recognize as worthwhile, but not something you enjoy. Schindler's List, Requiem for a Dream, most classical music, eating your goddamn vegetables. Good Bad is about being an adult, and these kinds of movies make no assay. I mean, I'm glad I saw it once,
1: but never again. Conversely, Bad Good is for your thoughtless inner child. It's Cheetos, it's late career Billy Joel, it's movies like Christmas Vacation. Honey?
0: Kids? And Deep Blue Sea. Bad good movies make chance say. But it failed in such an entertaining way. Got all that? Now buckle up because you're about to hear an opinion stated as fact. It's good good for me. I mean, I think this is a a like a studious, phenomenally crafted experiment about like where does vulnerability turn to power and where does it turn back? Um like when is it time to uh you know this. Oh, this invasive species creates so much interest in this little experiment that we have. And then when is it time to you know close right. close ranks and lock the species back out? Um, yeah, I just think it's uh, really really well put together, tremendously acted, and you know there's it's just a, a wealth of subtext and like a vivid yeah. cinematic package. And it's one of those movies that if if there are things wrong with it, you're right. Successfully pulling off a racial dynamic would have made this movie great. Like it would have made it one of the very, I don't know, probably one of the very best movies of the year, a very memorable movie. I think it will probably fade because of its slightness, but it is still one of those movies where like the car goes a hundred yards, but you look at the, like the psychological odometer and it's gone like five miles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good good for it's me. It's a
1: very yeah, it's a very small film. It's a very well managed film. I'm a, I agree with you in everything you're saying, and we really haven't touched on this though. Like in addition, like on the other side of it being like brilliantly crafted, brilliantly acted, brilliantly written and directed, beautifully shot, it's kind of boring. And for that, you I'm gonna were probably were bored. There were like there were a couple times where I was like, all right, let's get to the Let's get to the meat of this already. Okay. At least in like the, maybe like the mid second act. You know, it's a movie that I'm glad I saw though. So I think it's going to have to fall in that good bad for me that I'll like, I'll probably never see. Will you ever watch this movie again? I probably will. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I probably have seen it. (laughs) You don't agree with the
0: fact that I will watch it again.
1: Well, I maybe don't agree with that, but I don't agree that like that's something I will do. Uh huh. And for that reason, yeah, I think it's good, bad. I think it's it's a great, I mean, it's well-made. It's a well-made movie. But the fact that it like, there's nothing so outlandish about it or so like, I was waiting for the movie to like really have like a bigger voice, a you bigger know, in voice. saying something about like Civil War movies or like, but I just like, if you can't follow like an an indie movie like this. After, like, Birth of a Nation, which was, like, the last sort of big... Was that Civil War?
0: Mm-hmm. Or not Turner Rebellion, so pre-Civil War. In the same era. Yeah. You, you can't, like, do that
1: and then just totally ignore, like, some of the biggest concerns of the age. And I think for that reason, like, it's it wasn't super... It wasn't super entertaining. It's... I didn't mind, like, watching it, but I don't think it's... You know those not car- a Saturday afternoon those movie character for me,
0: dynamics wouldn't get you from two o'clock to three thirty on a Saturday afternoon. They would.
1: I don't think I'd watch this one again. Wow. For me, it falls into that like her. Like I think most of her movies are good. Bad.
0: Well, uh, I think we wrap up this reeled in episode. If you can truly say we were reeled in by uh, by the beguiled, you can find our podcast. Be real. At uh, Apple Podcasts SoundCloud, Stitcher uh, Really wherever you get your podcasts Um, And then find us on the internet At berealpodcast.com Shoot us an email at berealguys At gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter Really everywhere you would expect a podcast doing its best To exist and be found today That's where we are, my friend Sir I'll uh, I'll find you that anatomy book What have you
1: done to me You vengeful bitches